0: Welcome to The Bible and Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, where we encourage you to view the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible. And welcome back to The Bible and Our Culture. I'm your host, Pastor Jay MacPherson with Liberty Remnant Church. Not sure when you're listening to this, if it's before Christmas, if you're hearing it on a Saturday, it probably is. If you're hearing it on a Tuesday, probably just after Christmas, but we're still going to talk about the Christmas story. Of course, if you're listening on podcast, you could be listening anytime. You should be able to find this show and previous shows wherever you get your podcasts or at our website, libertyremnantchurch.org. But last time we talked about the contrast between the Matthew and Luke quote-unquote Christmas stories, and there's a huge lesson I think we can learn about being one race And I want to focus kind of on the same text, but on a different subject matter. Mostly in Matthew 1 and 2, we see the story of Jesus' adopted father, Joseph. It's a forgotten story, but I think an important one. So let's read it, and we'll make some comments on it, starting in verse 18 of chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This was the first time that God revealed himself to Joseph in a dream. Verse 22 So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, which they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name jesus now after jesus was born in bethlehem of judea in the days of herod the king behold wise men from the east came to jerusalem so that's the end of verse 1 of chapter 2 and i'm going to skip the story about the wise men or we call them magi we talked about it last week a bit but that's not my focus uh it's more on joseph verse 13 of chapter 2. now when they had departed that's the wise men behold An angel of the lord appeared to joseph in a dream saying arise take the young child and his mother flee to egypt and stay there until i bring you word for herod will seek the young child to destroy him this is the second time that the lord spoke to joseph in a dream i'm just keeping track of them as they go by because i think it's kind of fun verse 14 when he arose he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he set forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Had Planned Parenthood in Jesus' day. Verse 19, Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. This is the third time the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream. Verse 21, Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And, being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. This is the fourth and final time recorded in scripture that God speaks to Joseph in a dream. So here's some general observation. Kind of like I mentioned last time, the story of Joseph and his model character has been hidden in plain sight. Anything that might be included in the story of Jesus' birth seems to sort of get blotted out by the Christmas story, by the baby Jesus. You wouldn't want Joseph upstaging the baby Jesus and the traditions of eggnog, Christmas trees, candy canes, holly, and how the nativity story has traditionally been presented has caused us to miss lessons about a great hero of the faith in Joseph. I'm all for the Christmas season and the excitement, the decorations, the lights, the Christmas trees, all that. I love that. But it's not how we should really look first at this story. So Joseph, I think, has been wearing camouflage since Christmas traditions have become the major focus in December. And the Bible tells us simply what happened at Jesus' birth. Human tradition has made it all Christmassy over the generations, mixing it with sleigh rides, mistletoe, silver bells, snowmen, etc. I don't get all that's fun and I enjoy it, but we don't see anything but Jesus' birth. Whenever the Christmas story comes up, most Christians think, oh yeah, I know that story. I've been to all the Christmas pageants. I know the Christmas carols. I even played uh, when I was a kid in a Christmas pageant. So we just sort of think, I know that story and move on. And we miss Joseph I also think the erroneous Catholic doctrines about Mary have contributed to camouflaging Joseph. Now, Mary's a hero in this story. Early in Jesus' ministry, she's, she's not. She tries to tell everybody he's losing his mind, Jesus. But in this story, both Mary and Joseph are heroes. We see Mary and her story more so in the book of Luke, while this passage we read in Matthew focuses on Joseph. And I love Catholics. Uh, a lot of Ex-Catholics attend Liberty Remnant Church, and I've got a lot of extended family who are ex-Catholics, maybe most of them. But the idea here is, everybody's so focused on Mary, they don't see Joseph. Or they're so focused on the J- on the baby Jesus, they don't see Joseph. And rightfully so, we ought to focus on the baby Jesus for sure. But let's not miss this story. So please discard your pre-existing filters about this story. Have you noticed the scriptures show only honorable character in Joseph but it seems sacrilegious to tell Joseph's story at Christmas time because it would upstage the baby Jesus. I don't want to do that. I don't want to upstage the baby Jesus, but I do want to uh, do want to pause and take a look at who God the Father drafted to be Jesus's adoptive father. And we also can't preach out of the Christmas story any other time of the year, as that too would be deemed inappropriate. Could you imagine your pastor preaching on this story in April or May? I mean, you kind of like What's wrong with those people? Are they a cult? Why are they preaching out of the Christmas story when it's not Christmas? So I think it's important to explore Joseph once in a while, and this is the time I think it's important to do it. Now, adoption is a big key in the scriptures, and a lot of people don't understand adoption if they aren't directly related with it. But this is what's happening here. Joseph is Jesus' adoptive father, and the Bible says he's his real father. They refer to his mother and his father, Mary and Joseph, uh, in Luke. And, of course, when they give the genealogy of Jesus, they include Joseph. So adoption's a big deal, and, and a lot of people don't know. Folks like Marilyn Monroe was adopted, Ric Flair, Faith Hill, Steve Jobs, Dave Thomas, John Hancock, Babe Ruth, and even Leslie Lynch King Jr. Maybe don't know who Leslie Lynch King Jr. is. If if you're a real uh, enthusiast for recent American history, we know Leslie Lynch King Jr. Uh, by the name he changed to Gerald Ford Jr. So President Gerald Ford was born Leslie King, excuse me, Leslie Lynch King Jr. But his biological dad and his mom separated, and he was adopted by uh, her next husband. And they thought, well, we don't want to refer to him as the same name as her ex. If we're going to adopt him, I want him to be named after me. So he changed his name to Gerald Ford Jr. and he became president. There's a lot of fictional stories about people who've been adopted. Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Superman, uh, Spider-Man to a degree, and Jesus. We have to understand Jesus was adopted and it's a cool thing. And you're thinking, well, I don't have anything to do with that. No, if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have been adopted. We all have been adopted into his family. And though jesus is the only begotten son of the father we are all adopted into his family and he loves us just as much infinitely and perfectly let's take a look at verse 18 it says now the birth of jesus christ was as follows after his mother mary was betrothed to joseph before they came together she was found with child of the holy spirit then joseph her husband being a just man that greek word for justice usually translated righteous he was a righteous man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. What an interesting verse that is, that he didn't want to make her a public example and wanted to put her away secretly. Now to me, he's probably ticked off, he's probably hurt, he's probably confused. How did this happen? How could she betray me? Because his fiance's pregnant and he's not the dad. So he's thinking she had feelings for another and totally dissed on him, but he's not looking for revenge. He's not even being merciful in a way that he's grandstanding his mercy. He wants to put her away quietly and respectfully. He's a very honorable man. And when they say at the beginning of verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, perhaps it should be translated, now the birth of Christ took place under these circumstances. The old King James kind of says in the birth of Christ took place thusly, or something. In other words, it's the setting in which Jesus was born. Because if we're actually going to talk about the birth of Christ, we talk about, well, she started contractions at this time, and then her water broke, and and all that. Luke kind of talks about the night Jesus was born. They go into more information about his birth, but in Matthew, they're really just exploring how Joseph felt when he heard that his fiance was pregnant, and he didn't impregnate her. Joseph's fiance got pregnant during their engagement, and that is a big issue today, but it was an even bigger issue back then. When somebody had sex outside a wedlock, well, that could be capital punishment. That's the type of offense that you would get stoned for. But it's a big issue every time. I mean, how would most engaged men react in this situation at any time or, or in any culture? I think they'd all be, what, hurt, angry, confused, feeling of betrayal... Feeling of, of being disrespected and embarrassed, all sorts of emotion. But Joseph showed mercy when most believe his fiance deserved wrath. It was a strange thing. He could have suffered terrible losses in his social standing, right? He was a son of David. He was a descendant of David and, and all the kings of Judah, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Josiah, Solomon, all those were, were his lineage. So he would have lost some social standing thinking that he got his fiance pregnant before they were married. But it also would have cost him financially because he had a carpentry shop. He was a carpenter and who was going to do business with a fornicator? So according to the Bible, in this situation, to be just or righteous was to be merciful to Mary and cover what appeared to be an embarrassing and publicly egregious sin. Now we know it wasn't. Mary wasn't acting sinfully. She wasn't fornicating. This was the miracle of God sending his only begotten son to pay for our sin. But Joseph didn't look to stand up for himself and demand his own personal right to justice. You know what? I think it's important that at times we do stand up for justice, that we do demand our rights. Here in Spokane, we've seen City Hall try and take away religious freedom. We ought to stand up for that. We ought to stand up for parent rights and I think our gun rights, all those things I think it's important for men especially to take a stand, be bold, and stand up for our rights, but not in a personal vendetta. Joseph was wounded. He was hurt. He was angry, but he didn't demand vengeance. He didn't demand repayment and try and get back at Mary for cheating on him. That wasn't his posture at all. And so what we have here is the most dramatic chick flick type setting in the history of romantic tales. Check it out. Every chick flick I've ever watched, I don't watch many of them because I can always spot the ending a mile away. In the first few minutes, there's a situation with a a handsome guy and a handsome gal and they have a misunderstanding. They get off on the wrong foot and they get in a fight and you know that they're going to end up living happily ever after. You can see it a mile away. But here is a real juicy conflict because Joseph thinks Mary cheated on him with some other guy, but she didn't. So how's Joseph gonna react? Well, as you read this story, he acts amazingly honorable and loving. So Matthew's account of the Christmas story is considerably different than Luke's, but they never disagree. Both focus on the sacrifice and obedience of Jesus's mom and dad. Matthew focuses on Joseph. And they testify, does Matthew and Luke, with amazing agreement on all the important facts like being born of a virgin, being born in Bethlehem, being raised in Nazareth, but here we see a focus on Joseph, and I think it's important in this day for us to really look at the, the manhood, the honorable masculinity and upright character of who God chose to raise his son. Verse 20 of Matthew 1 says this, but while he thought about these things, Joseph had a lot on his mind after figuring out that Mary was pregnant. After he thought about these things, boy, he probably had a hard time sleeping. But behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, so he did sleep, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So what do we see there? Well, this is the first of four times in the Bible where Joseph received a supernatural dream from the Lord, all in this story of raising his family. All four dreams were about manning up for his family and for God's purposes. Joseph had to discard his plans as God drafted him to serve an entirely new and different way. Remember the story? He's running all over the place, fleeing at night. All this was what God told him to do, and Joseph's response was, Yes, sir. Yes, Lord, I will do what you ask. Whatever you call me to do, I will obey. So Joseph was faithful to lead and serve his family. Each time God spoke to him in a dream, Joseph responded with immediate and sincere obedience. What a hero of the faith! We don't talk much about him. We don't think much about him other than, oh, yeah, let's include him in our nativity set. What an amazing hero of the faith. Now, check this out. God could have sent the angel to appear in Joseph's dream before Joseph had to wrestle about what to do with the reality his fiance was pregnant, right? He did that with Mary. God forewarned Mary before it was going to happen. But with Joseph, he waited until Joseph found out she was pregnant. Why? Well, the Bible doesn't say, so I can't pretend to know for certain, but I got an idea. Could it be God waited until after Joseph heard that his fiance was pregnant to give Joseph a test, and it was a test God knew he would pass with an A+. I think God tests us that way. When we think of God testing us, a lot of people think, oh, God's here to reveal our sin, and he's going to judge us and expose us, condemn us. Well, God does test us so we know our character and hopefully we respond in repentance, but I think God also tests us so that we know how we respond. And Joseph passed with an A+. He didn't lash out in vengeance when he thought his fiance cheated on him. He responded with immediate and sincere obedience. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in just a few moments.
1: Two years ago, Liberty Remnant Church was founded in Spokane by a group of committed Christ followers who, believing God, sought to build a distinct local church for his glory. LRC is a simple, relational, biblical church that holds firm to the basic tenets of biblical Christianity. We believe we are to represent Christ's love, power, and wisdom in every and any facet of society. Perhaps you've seen our pastor, Jay McPherson, or others from Liberty Remnant Church, either standing up at Spokane City Hall or at a local school board meeting in the area. We believe we are called to be salt and light as we bring people to new life in Christ. If you are looking for a local church or know someone who is, please consider what God is doing at Liberty Remnant Church. We meet every Sunday at the Oakwood Inn, 7919 North Division at 10 a.m. For more information or to contact our pastor, please check out our website at libertyremnantchurch.org. Once again, that's libertyremnantchurch.org.
0: All right, we're back with the Bible and our culture. I'm Pastor J. Macpherson, pastor of Liberty Remnant Church, our main sponsor. If you want to contribute to the Bible and our culture, you can do so by going to our church website, libertyremnantchurch.org backslash give. We're talking about the forgotten character of the Bible, a camouflaged hero of the faith in Joseph, Jesus' adoptive father. Well, let's take a quick look at the Old Testament Joseph and the New Testament, Joseph—they've got a ton in common. Obviously, their name. The only two—I guess there's somebody else in the Bible uh, who's named Joseph. But the two main characters of Joseph, Joseph, Jesus's dad, and Joseph, the patriarch in, in Genesis, both had impeccable character with little or no mistakes recorded about them. Some people might find a mistake here or there, but it's iffy, and it's in the context of tremendous character, of tremendous godliness. And if you notice these two characters named Joseph happen to be the top two characters in the Bible when it comes to supernatural dreams from the Lord. Joseph had a couple and he interpreted a few. Both had, if you will, four dreams. Joseph had, actually had two pairs of dreams, so you could say six in a way, but they were the, the chief people in the Bible with supernatural dreams and both relocated to Egypt and thereby saved their families. That's a coincidence that's just too crazy. All these coincidences just line up amazingly. And if you follow the story of, I'm assuming you know a little bit about Old Testament Joseph, they both had amazing uncommon selflessness and mercy to their families. We saw how New Testament Joseph could have reacted and embarrassed Mary, but he decided well, she cheated on me, I'm going to have to put her away quietly. And the Old Testament Joseph, his brothers were going to kill him, sold him into slavery, and then Joseph was running the world, he could have really showed vengeance to him, but he, he responded with love and mercy. And perhaps, in the way that God used the Old Testament Joseph to secure a way to save his people from death and starvation, in the same way he used the New Testament Joseph to secure a way to save his people from death and hell. Right? They were catalysts in salvation for God's people. Everything lines up in the Bible if you take time to look at it and let the Holy Spirit show you what's going on. Verse 24 of chapter 1 of Matthew it says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. He didn't know her? What do you mean he didn't know her? Oh, I think I get it. He didn't know her. Wink, wink. This might be the time, if you have young children listening, you might want to catch the podcast later, or pause it and come back. It's not dirty. What I'm going to talk about is absolutely Biblical. But most people don't talk about it in church settings. Joseph did all that God commanded him, including abstaining from sex. We're all called to abstain from sex outside of marriage. But Joseph was called to go the extra mile and abstain from sexual relations, even while married to this girl he loved. And if I'm doing premarital counseling, I advise couples who are engaged to be married, not to spend too much time alone together, especially at nighttime. Now, you have to spend time together to continue your relationship. Also plan the wedding, the honeymoon, where you're going to live, all that. But if you do too much at once and too late at night, well, you already know each other, love each other, committed to each other. So it's easy for nature to take its course. And the temptation during engagement is really strong. I hated engagement. I found it to be frustrating, not just because of the urge to merge, but it just seemed like, oh man, we got to go home to our separate places and come back together the next day to keep planning the wedding. It'd be much handier if we just lived at the same place. I mean, in my heart, I was ready to be married. That's why I proposed. But we still have to tap the brakes until the covenant's made before God and the witnesses. Think about it. Mary and Joseph not only loved each other, were committed to each other, but they had to travel together and live together 24 7. It's a long ways from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And so they talked, I'm sure, long, long walks, or maybe it was a camel ride, donkey ride, horse ride, I don't know. But here they are spending all this time together. And on the way, they have to stop at a hotel. I hope they had a ESPN or something to entertain them, distract them. No, they, they had to be honorable and obey God, even though their instincts were to follow nature's course, if you will. So Joseph carefully, faithfully, and honorably did all the work to build a solid marriage foundation, which is important. A lot of guys don't do that. And he was also honorable enough To find the grace of God to abstain. And God empowered him to abstain from sexual relations with his wife. Can you imagine that? The fact that he delayed sex, that's always admirable. But that's what we're all called to do. But he did it past marriage. To me, I think Joseph's going to have a special jewel in his crown, if you ask me. So things are going to get really exciting here as we look at Matthew 2 the middle of verse 13 through the middle of verse 15, That says an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is his, like third dream. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. Now this is his second dream. And stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. At this point, we already talked about it. Joseph and Mary have experienced a real life chick flick drama. I can't imagine a more juicy setting for a chick flick. For a, for a romance. But now it transitions kind of out of the chick- flick movie into this exciting real-life suspense action spy movie thriller right The head of state in their area is wanting to kill them. Is wanting to kill baby Jesus. but Joseph gets some secret intelligence right from God and so he flees in the middle of the night to outrun Herod's men they're trying to kill baby Jesus. It's an amazing story if you think about it. The Lord provided guidance and the couple provided obedience. So according to Luke, they started in Nazareth and then walked, traveled by foot or by horse or by mule or by camel all the way down to Bethlehem, which if you drove that in a car today, it'd be 95 miles. Then they went to Jerusalem to fulfill the law of Moses and probably back to Bethlehem and then they made, then they journeyed back to Nazareth. That's Luke's story. Matthew's story starts in Bethlehem. Joseph has a dream that they're going to kill the baby Jesus, so he moves to Egypt, which is a long ways away. And then after God tells them he can come back, and then they realize, oh, I'm kind of afraid. Do I, go to, I don't want to go to, back to Bethlehem because Herod's son is there. Then God says, go to Galilee. So he ends up settling in Nazareth. Well, that distance from Nazareth to Egypt, just the border of Egypt, is over a thousand miles. Excuse me, over 500 miles. So the round trip, and this whole story of Jesus' birth, Joseph and Mary had to walk over a thousand miles. More than that if you count the trip to Jerusalem. So he's really uh, sacrificing his convenience to obey the word of the Lord. And that's just to the border of Egypt. We don't know how far into Egypt they settled. But I think it's cool that we see Matthew the Jew emphasizing the king of Jews relocated to Egypt for a season. And the light of the Gentiles spent many of his formative years in a foreign culture and not just any culture, but that culture. God is fulfilling messianic prophecy. And all this travel is to show Joseph's obedience, to show Mary's obedience to Joseph. Remember, Gabriel appeared to Mary, but then she had to obey Joseph as the head of the house. God spoke to Joseph. And I guess as we close, I want to tell you that God may test us like he tested Joseph. Why? So we can, A, humble ourselves and repent, or in Joseph's case, so we can have an A+. Wouldn't it be great to score an A-plus on our test? Well, when we got, God gives us a test, we can score an A-plus because we can get his help. We can, it's open book. We can get help from our neighbors. It's great when God tests us and he rewards us when we do well. Our role is simply to trust and obey. If God couldn't trust Joseph with his son because of his obedience, what might God trust you with If he knew you were going to radically obey him with the same intensity, I encourage you to radically obey God. Whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever it is you're thinking about, obey him 100% and submit to him and be the hero like Joseph was the hero. See you next time on The Bible and Our Culture. Thank you for listening to The Bible and Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. If you want to
1: support this ministry financially, you could do so by going to our website. LibertyRemnantChurch.org backslash give and select Radio Ministry. See you next week at the same time.